This morning we'll continue our study in Hebrews chapter 3. So if you have a copy of God's Word, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 3. We'll be looking at verses 12 through 19 for our reading this morning. I'll start at verse 7. Hebrews chapter 3, we'll be looking at verses 12 through 19. Listen as I start reading at verse number 7. And remember, this is God's holy word. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt, led by Moses? And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient? So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief belief. This is God's word. We saw last week uh, that the author of Hebrews, this text that I I just read from verse 7 and and, and even into our text today, the, the text that the author of Hebrews was dealing with came from Psalm, Psalm 95. We know that we read that psalm. That psalm started out with worship to God, and it ended with a with this 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 consideration to to the people, the people of David's generation. Uh, it was a consideration for them to 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 look to the Israelites that uh, in the Exodus generation who had fallen away from God because of their unbelief. We're, he said they were to look to, uh, to that generation and to learn from them because the same thing could happen to the generation that the Hebrew writer is writing to. It can happen to our generation as well. God has, has been good. And thinking about the nation of Israel, God was thinking about that Exodus generation. God was, was so merciful and so good to them time after time. Again, just think of the miracles that they've seen. They, they saw miracle after miracle, and, and, and yet 
they 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 harden their hearts to God. They didn't they didn't really want God. Perhaps there's some of you that are here today. You really don't want God. Perhaps you want what God gives. Just like the people of Israel over and over again. Never today. The only time that that I can see that they worship God was in the song of Moses. They sung that song. It was a song of worship to God because of what he did from Israel. From that point on, you don't hear any worship from the nation of Israel. All you heard was grumbling and complaining. They complained against Moses. They complained against Aaron. And ultimately, they were complaining against, against God. And all of those things, all of those difficult things that they were going through in the wilderness, well, it, was, it was a test to see what was in their hearts, to see if they really wanted God, to see if they really wanted glory in God. And they didn't. And, and so David wrote Psalm 95, uh, Psalm 95 to his generation, saying that don't you imitate these, this, this Exodus generation that hardened their hearts. And the writer of Hebrews is writing to his generation. And, and he, in a sense, is, is writing to us as we read this. Because God is, is, is good to us as well. God's, God's word is, is relevant to us today just as it was to those believers who read it during the, the time of, of uh, after Christ had walked this earth. And, and, it's, and it's easy for us to, to, to look at the nation of Israel and, and to say that if we had been in their, their shoes, uh, we would not have, have uh, we would not have walked away from God like they did. But the author is going to tell us today that we too can have an unbelieving heart just like the nation of Israel. So let's look at the text. We, the, the, the text that we, we're going to be looking at from 12 to 19 is an application of, Rome, of, of, of Psalm 95. Psalm 95 uh, it has been quoted by this author, and now he's going to give application from what he has quoted from Psalm 95. So look at verse number 12. We, we talked briefly about this last week. But we're going to look at it again just briefly here this morning. Here we'll see that there's a there's a a, a danger uh, that there's a danger of unbelief. We need to heed the danger of unbelief. And and, and I didn't give you my my title for the sermon. The title of the sermon is to safeguard against hardening your heart. And and, and the author of Hebrews is going to give us an application of how it is that we can safeguard our hearts. And so in verse 12 we see that he says that we are, to, we are to heed the danger of unbelief. Verse 12, take care, brothers, lest there be in, in any of you an unbe- evil, unbelieving heart, leaving you to fall away from the living God. Notice that, that he starts with take care, brothers. Who is he speaking to? Is he speaking to unbelievers? No, he is speaking to believers. He is speaking to those who profess to follow Christ. He is, he is speaking to those who gather together uh, who, who said that they gather together in the name of Christ. Take care of brothers, brothers and sisters. Take, take care, beware, see to it. Pay attention, brothers and sisters. Pay attention, church family. Pay attention, church family. He goes on and says, at least there be in, uh, be in any of you. Don't, church family, don't ignore this warning. Don't ignore the warning signs that, that we saw with the people of Israel. Uh, people of God, don't ignore what God has, has given in the scripture as, as, as an example for us in the people of Israel. 
this this is this is to this is a this is for every single person in the congregation. Every single person in the congregation uh, should 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 give serious attention to the admonition that is following. Every single person, I say here now, every single person in this congregation, give ear, take heed, open your ears to what the author is getting ready to say. There, there is something dangerous that we need to that we need to to recognize that can take place in the congregation. We 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 must not fool ourselves into think that just because we're all gathered here, we're all gathered here, we're in the con- in the congregation that that we're here together and, and we're, we're 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 sitting here together, we're all okay. We, we 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 cannot make that assumption because there is somebody I can tell you right now, there is somebody in this congregation that don't know Christ, and the author is saying to all of us, even to us as believers, don't give way to unbelief in your life. Don't be fooled just because you're sitting here that everything is okay. Examine your heart. There are some people that come to church and, and, and they come to church because they, they enjoy fellowship. They enjoy the preaching of the word. They enjoy coming, coming and doing charit- charitable deeds for other people. But I can tell you this, this passage of scripture says that 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 be, uh, it, that could be lurking in, in, in your heart an evil unbelieving heart. Visible church membership doesn't guarantee that you're saved. Coming to church does not guarantee that you're saved. Just because you know something about Christ, about his works, uh, from the scripture, just because you know about his person does not guarantee that you have Saving faith in Christ. Remember, I told you about this gentleman in Korea. He followed us everywhere we went. He 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 said he came to Christ. He 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 went to church with us. He 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 came and whenever we had Bible study, he came to Bible study with us. And I left Korea and I called over there and I found out just because he answered the phone. He answered the phone and he cussed me out. This was a gentleman who was born in church. He loved to sing. He loved, from appearances, he loved to study the word of God. But he fell away. And the reality is, he wasn't really a believer. But he went to church. We walked to church. We read the Bible together. But he wasn't a believer. So just because you come to church, just because you know something about Christ does not believe, I mean, does not signify that you're a believer. Does not guarantee that you have saving faith. And, and I'm going to tell you something else. If you're here and you haven't trusted in Christ, knowing what you know, if you come to church every Sunday, you hear truth about Christ, you, you, you understand that it's in the Bible, you, and you kind of agree with, man, that's Christ died on the cross. Somebody actually say, yeah, Christ died on the cross. You, you, you know it, you agree with it, but you don't do anything with it. You're in a dangerous place. You're in a dangerous place because you're, you're holding to the knowledge of Christ 
but you haven't come to Christ. In reality, you're still living in rebellion. You have the knowledge of Christ. If you don't do anything with that knowledge of Christ, if you don't come to Christ and, and, and acknowledge him as your savior, if you don't come and, and confess that you're a sinner, that he is a sufficient savior, you have that knowledge in your mind and you go about your day living your life. You're hardening your heart day by day because you're not doing anything with what you know about Jesus Christ. You're hardening your heart. Ecclesiastes 8 and 11 says this. It says that because the sentence against an evil deed is not executed speedily, the heart of the children of men is fully set to do evil. You have the knowledge of God. You know that if you don't come to Christ, that, that you're going to, uh, 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 that you're going to experience the, the wrath of God in hell. You hold to that. You, you embrace that. You, you, you understand it. You can quote it from the scripture and you don't do anything with it. Ecclesiastes says that because God doesn't punish you, because you haven't come to Christ, your heart is set fully to do evil. And that's what the author says next. He says, take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil. He's speaking to the church. I can't come, I can't come in here and pat you on the back like all is well, because the scripture would not allow me to do that. Now I'm saying to you what the author is saying. Take care. Examine your heart. To ensure that you don't have an unbelieving, an evil, unbelieving heart to these people that the author's writing to. They, they, were, they want to go back to Judaism. They, they wanted to, they wanted to, they, they knew about Christ. They, they understood the truth about Christ. They wanted to go back to Judaism because their life was getting difficult. And we can do that too. When life gets difficult, we can. Desire, we, we can start turning away to Christ to other things. But the writer is saying, you can't be fooled into thinking that just because you're part of a congregation, this means that you are immune from, from an evil, unbelieving heart. No, it can happen. If you don't, I, 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 we should come to church and, and, and we should live our lives striving to endure to the end. That's what we do. We're to strive to endure to the end. Hughes noted this. He said that the unbelieving heart mentioned here is not a heart that has not yet come to belief, but a heart. Listen to what he says. This is a heart that departs from belief. A heart that 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 knows the truth, that is that that, that is well aware of the truth. But never embraces it but departs from it and turn to other things. An unbelieving heart is, is a heart that, that, that knows the truth about God, but, but it don't trust God. The, the people of Israel, they knew God. They saw God part the Red Sea. They knew God as Yahweh. But they felt, they failed to trust him. They failed to believe in his promises. Look at Hebrews chapter 3, verse 10. God says, therefore, I was provoked. He, God said, I was angry with that generation and said, they listen to what he said. They always go astray in their hearts. They have not known my ways. These 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 people who 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 proclaim to be the people of God, they followed Moses. 
they they didn't trust God. They deliberately failed to trust God and believe in his promises. It was a, de a deliberate attempt. And, and where does this lead you? To, to, to have an unbelieving heart. Where the only place that it'll leave you, if you hold the truth, but you don't believe it, the only place it's going to leave you, if you don't do anything with that truth, is that it's going to, the author says, leading to you, leading you to fall away from the living God. This, this is apostasy. Falling away or, or apostasy. It's, this is a, a deliberate, intentional walking away from the things that you know about God. I did that. Growing up, I grew up in the church. Went to church every Sunday. Every time the doors of the church was open, we were there. During the week, the revivals, at all times we was in the church. I heard, I, I heard the truth about God. I heard the truth about Christ on a weekly basis. But when I left home, you could say I was an apostate because I didn't do anything with that knowledge. I didn't do anything with what I, what I heard the preacher saying, what I heard the teacher teaching in Sunday school. I left home and I went and went my own way. Living in rebellion. Apostasy. Hey, thank God for his mercy. <laughs> he saved me. He didn't have to. Living in rebellion, doing all kinds of things that my mama would have been upset if she knew I was doing. He saved me. He made the truth come alive in my heart. And that's what the, the writer wants for us. That the truth is a, it's a, it's alive in your heart. That, that the truth is, 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 is alive, that, that it is motivating you and moving you to serve and to please God. So if, if, if you have the truth of God, truth of God in your heart right now, and you haven't done anything with it. I plead with you to turn to Christ. Turn to Christ. Don't profess. Don't come to church and profess that you, you know, like you trust God and you really don't. Trust in Christ. Don't be an apostate. That a person that that is that that eventually is given over. To given over to, to go their own way in unbelief. So how do we so 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 how do we 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 safeguard, we we heed the danger of unbelief, but then we, we're to exhort one another day. Look at verse 13. It, so so he the author's saying two things. Not only do we need to heed the danger of unbelief, but we need to heed the call to encourage one another. This this is a command. Look at verse 13. But exhort one another every day. This is reciprocal. This is a reciprocal. Uh, command that we're to exhort one another every day. And so the safeguard or, or the defense against an evil, unbelieving heart in the congregation is that that we come alongside one another, beloved, that we come alongside one another. And this is to this is to everybody. 
This, this is to, to, to the elders, to, to the deacons, and to all the members of this congregation. This, this is a command to us to, to come alongside one another, to, to come alongside and, and to encourage and to exhort one another daily. We need one another. We 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 need one another. We this is this is the need of 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 coming together. We we need to come together. We need to gather together so that we can come alongside each other and to lovingly exhort one another. And you know what this means? This means that you ought to. Be able to take loving exhortation from your brothers or sisters. And that also means that you need to be able to give, that you need to be, you need to have a heart to give exhortation to others. You need to be willing to receive it. You need to be willing to give it. And better yet, you need to be ready to receive it. You need to be ready to give it. We, we make up this, the, the body, this corporate body, we gather here in this, this building as, as a corporate body. And, and because of that, we must exercise care for one another. We must exercise care for one another. This, this is a command. This, this is a safeguard to, to help us to, 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 to help each other to see through the deceitfulness of sin. We, we must motivate one another not to drift away from Christ. Do, do, is, has, is, is that your mindset to, today? Has, is, is that what is, is your goal today to benefit your brother and sister? Or are you thinking about going to the back and eating? Church, church is more than just a social gathering. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. This, this is not just a social club, not a social gap. We don't just come here to, 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 to like, like, like you're in a social club. There is purpose for God placing you in the body of Christ. There, there, there is purpose. L listen to what the author of Hebrews says. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. He says, let us and let us consider how to stir up one another. This, this is a reciprocal command. This is something that, that we're to do to one to let us consider you to be thinking, thinking about how it is that you can stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as it is, as is the habit of some. Look what he said, but encouraging one another. We, we, we come together encourage, we, to encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. So, so, so there is more to, to just coming together. There, there is an activity that we're to be about. We're to exhort one. We've been going through the one another's on Wednesday night. Over and over again, we can see throughout the New Testament that we're to, that we're already one another, the reciprocal commands that we're to be doing to one another because Christ has loved us. And no one is exempt from that. I, th I think a lot of times we're ready to, we, we're like this, we're ready to point out the sin of others 
That's the first, that's what we're ready for. We're waiting for somebody to fall so we can point out their sin rather than having a heart that's ready to encourage them, that's ready to that that's ready to exhort them. We're members of one another. It's not about just showing up and listening to a sermon and then leaving as fast as you can. That's that's not what this that's what Christ didn't call you for that. But exhort one another, he says. He says, as long as it is today. This is a, a urgent task. Something that we're to be doing on a consistent basis. And we're responsible for this. We're all are responsible to be mutual encouragers. You hear that? We're all called to be mutual encouragers. There is no way you can get out from under that command. There is no way that you can get out from under any of the one another commands. Listen to Jonathan Edwards. We talk as 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 long as it's called today. And this is this is the issue. This is the issue that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. This is important because there can be some who are being deceived by sin. Jonathan Edwards wrote this. He says, a hard heart clearly implies an unaffected heart or a heart that is not readily moved with uh, virtuous affections. He says, like a stone. It is sensible, stupid, unmoved, and hard to impress. Hence, a hard heart is called a stony heart, as opposed to a fleshly heart that has feelings and is sensible, touched, and moved. So, so there are those who 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 have hard hearts that w- that would not listen, and we'll see later on that they, they'll move away. But then, if you're truly a believer, and 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 someone comes to you to exhort you from the scripture. As a believer, if you're truly a believer, you'll respond to that, that exhortation. A true believer will respond to exhortation. Look what else he said. Hold, and then with a whole fast, this is another safeguard. Hold fast our confidence in verse 14. For we have come to share in Christ. He, he, he's reminding them that, that, that they're companions with Christ. We we as well as believers, we're companions with Christ. We're united with him. We're united with him in his death, burial, and resurrection. But he gives a he gives a, this clause that says, if indeed, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. That, that should be our, our goal, to hold fast to our confidence in Christ firm to the end. Uh, Kent Hughes observed that the Israelites, he said they they had no lack of confidence just after the Exodus, but it faded quickly a few days into the wilderness. Remember, we read last week, how many days was it? They after they had seen uh uh God do that miracle at uh at the Red Sea, how many days was it that that they began to crumble and complain? What was it? Three days. Three days. 
that's why the author is saying we have to if, if, if you you share in christ if you embrace you, your goal should be to hold firm your confidence in christ in the end not like the people of israel who had come they just come through the red sea and three days three days later they grumbling and complain three days later and that's it's not that they did it one time. They did it over and over. This is a this was a pattern because their hearts were hard. Now, is, does this mean that you can lose your salvation? I'm not I'm not saying that. I, what I'm saying is that true believers will endure. Jesus said in John six and thirty seven, he says, all the all that the father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never cast them out. There are those whom, whom God the Father has given to Christ. They will come. If you are a believer, God has given you to Christ. You came to Christ because God has given you to Christ. But you're, you're, you're to endure, beloved. John 10, 27 through 28, Jesus says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life. They will never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. None of Christ's sheep will leave because they hear the voice of Christ. They respond to the admonitions. They respond to the encouragement from Scripture. They, they, the, 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 the sheep of Christ, they hear the voice of Christ as the word of God is read. And they respond. They don't resist. They don't question it. First John two and three says, and by this, we know that we have come to know him. If we keep his commandments, the, 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 the true, those who are true, they hold fast to their confidence. They they obey Christ. Because they know him. And then he and then he adds. Verse 15. As it is said today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the rebellion. The author again is going back and, and quoting Psalm 95. And this is the, the, he said the Holy Spirit is saying this. He, so he is speaking to the, the his, as he, he wrote this letter uh, to believers, uh, to, to a congregation, the, the, the Holy Spirit is speaking to them. And as we read it today, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. So these words are for you, beloved. These words are these words are for you. And, and so what, what does unbelief look like? So what, what does unbelief look like? Well, this is what 16 through 19 is all about. This is the the autonomy of, of unbelief. Look at verse 16. You say, well, what does an unbelieving heart look like? Verse 16, for who were those who heard? And yet rebel. Was it not all those who left, uh, who left Egypt, led by Moses? So, so, so this is what unbelief looks like. You got Moses, God's servant, uh, who 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 God gave to to uh, to 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 lead the people out of Israel. Moses, who who was consumed with God's glory in Exodus thirty thirty three, he he said, "God, show me your glory." Moses, who who was he wasn't selfish. He was a, a man who who interceded for them time and time again. What did they do? Did they appreciate them? Did they appreciate Moses? No, they rebelled against Moses. Moses, 
led them. He was the one that led them out of out of Egypt, led them into the wilderness. And 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 he God did all kind of miracles uh, uh, through Moses. And yet the people rebelled against him. So this is what an unbelieving heart looks like. An unbelieving heart is a rebellious heart. They rebel against authority in the church. They rebel against the word of God. They, they, they you know, thinking about Israel, they, they gave a, they gave an outward conformity. I mean, they were following Moses. They, they followed Moses. They, there was, they, it looked like they were the people of God. They were following Moses. It looked like they were following Moses with a sincere heart, but it was just an outward conformity. It was just a, they was, it was just a facade. They, they made a, a verbal profession of faith. They sung the song of Moses. But it was just, it was just something that they were doing outwardly. Inwardly, they were rebellious. Uh, they was in rebellion against God in their hearts. And how you know, because when it came time for them to obey, or it came time when they came up against a difficult circumstance, what did they do? Did they worship God? Did they pray to God? No, they grumbled and complained. They grumbled and complained. They followed Moses wherever Moses went. That, that's what a, but they rebel. So that's, that's what an unbelieving heart looks like. It's a rebellious heart. It rebels in, in every way. Look at verse 17. And with whom was he provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? So we see here. So what is so what does an unbelieving heart look like? It's rebellious and it's a sinning heart. Those who who sin in the wilderness, they refuse to trust God. No matter what God did for them, they rebelled against him. And, and it's and, and the writer here calls it sin. Look at verse 18. And to whom did he swear? that they would not enter his rest, but to those who are disobedient. An unbelieving heart is a rebellious heart. An unbelieving heart is a heart that, that sins continually and willfully. And an unbelieving heart is a heart that is actively disobedient. Unbelief always leads to disobedience. If you refuse to come to Christ, if you refuse to trust Christ, you have the knowledge of Christ. If you refuse to come to him, you, the next, the, the next place that, that it's going to lead you, your, your unbelief, to, your failure to come to Christ, the next step is disobedience. Disobedience. And, and what, is, what does Jesus say about disobedience? Turn to Luke 17. Uh, as you were, Luke 13. Luke 13, verse 24. Luke 13, 24 says, strive to enter through the narrow door for many, I tell you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen and shut the door and you begin to stand outside and to knock at the door saying, Lord, open, open to us. Then he will answer you. I do not know where you come from. 
Then you will say, begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know where you come from. Depart from me, all you workers of evil. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. When you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, but you yourselves cast out. This is what this is what Jesus thinks about unbelief. Jesus is going to say to you, you say, well, I had I got all these excuses. Lord, you know that I really wanted to come to you, but but I didn't. Jesus is going to say to you, depart from me. You may be saying, Pastor Joe, you kind of being strong. You kind of, you know, that's kind of strong. You're speaking kind of strong. This is what the scripture demands. It it calls us out, beloved. (laughs) The scripture is like a sharp two-edged sword. It goes and it divides, it goes into the heart and it divides, it, it exposes everything. It, it, it exposes every, you sitting here like, oh, that's I don't I don't want to hear that. The word of God is exposing your heart. The author says, verse 19. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. The, the people of God were, were not able to enter because of their unbelief. They were rebellious, they were disobedient, and they were sinners. They, they could not enter the, the land that God had promised them. God has, had promised them the land of Canaan. And, and, and I want to stop to, to say that God has promised us salvation in Christ if we come to him. If, if, if we come and believe in him, we trust in him. Because tomorrow is not promised to anybody. You, you say, well, I'll just wait till tomorrow. I'll wait till I get older. If you're an adult, you say, well, I'll just wait till, you know, right now I got some, some sinning that I need to do. I'll just wait till later. Today is the day. Today is your opportunity. unbelief the people of Israel they stopped believing in God they stopped believing his promises they stopped believing that he would provide you mean God opened the Red Sea showing that he has control over the water he opened the Red Sea they walked through it and three days later the water was bitter and they were grumbling and complaining God had just showed his sovereignty over the water and instead of saying, God, we saw you open the Red Sea, we trust that this water is bitter. You, we, we understand that, that you're able to, to your, your sovereignty is overall. We, 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 you know that we're thirsty. We trust that you will provide for us to drink. They grumble and complain. And, and this, is, this, is, this, is, this is true of us. How, long, how many times you come to church? You hear the word of God and you go home and you groan and complain. You, you, you say that you know Christ, but then you go home. And I'm saying this to myself too.
Don't rebel. Give heed to the word of God. And as long as it's called today, strive to hold fast to the confidence that you said that you have in Christ. Because if you turn and rebel for the people of Israel, they rebel. And, and, and they were forfeited the land of Canaan. But if you turn from Christ and you, you rebel against Christ, you don't come to Christ, then you forfeit an even greater blessing than, than the blessing of Canaan. You forfeit eternal life. To turn away from the living God, Hebrews 10 and 31 says, it's a it's a mistake to turn away from God because it says it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. So today is your opportunity. I'm not talking about anybody. I'm talking to you. Today is your day. Don't look to nobody else. Today is your day. Because as F.B. F. Meyer said, you can escape Egypt and miss Canaan. <laughs> you can come to church. You can escape the world and miss Christ. Amen? Let us play. Pray. Father, these are hard warnings, but therefore our benefit. Your, your word is for our benefit. Your, your word gives us the necessary it, it to, actually your word is our spiritual food it, it is that which you give us so that we can grow we can grow in 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 Christ likeness we can grow in sanctification in holiness you, your word is given to us for that very reason and and, and father I, I pray that 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 we cherish that that we that we that we eat your word that that we see that we desire it that we meditate upon it that 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 we take it and we study it and we apply it to our lives no matter how difficult it is the truth that we're we're reading and and meditating upon because that is for our benefit it, it, that is that is that is for our blessing you said in psalm 1 that blessed it is the man who meditate upon your word day and night. You tell you promised us that we will be blessed if we meditate upon your word. And I pray that we be people of your word, Old Testament and New Testament. The hard topics and the topics that are pleasurable to us. I pray that we be people that meditate upon your word and desire to obey it no matter what it is. Because it's the only thing that's going to get us through to eternal life. This is, this is going to guide us. It's our guiding. It guides us on the path of life. There is no, we can't do it in our own wisdom. We can't do it in our own understanding. There is nothing that we can boast about in ourselves that, 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 that we can say we, we, we know how to live the Christian life apart from your word. We're ignorant. And, and your word didn't even, it didn't even originate with us. You, this is your word came from you. 
And so, Father, I, I pray as we go through these, these, these warnings in Hebrews, I pray that we don't brush it off. Oh, I know that. Oh, I do that. Oh, that'll never happen to me. May we never think too highly of ourselves as we approach your word. So, Father, I thank you. I thank you for your word. I pray that that you would uh, open our eyes, even as we come to the table, the Lord's table, to, to, to fellowship together around the table, to see Christ and to know Christ. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Thank <laughs> you.